0: Welcome to Absurdity, where we discuss all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. Um, And I am joined by Matt Lucio. Who is the host of the Adventist History podcast, as well as he helps manage and run the Peoria Adventists YouTube channel? And you can check out links to both of those things down in the show notes. Um, But Matt, I want to give you some space here. Tell us a little bit about both of those
1: projects or anything else that you have coming down the pipeline. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed co hosting with you, it's been a blast. Uh yeah, so evidence history podcast is uh, just something we've been doing for what six years now, which is just insane to say. And, uh, anyways, have a lot of fun doing it. We're just we're in like about nineteen thirty right now. So if somebody's listening and they're like, "Hey, I'm kind of interested in, interested in this," jump on board. You've only missed like eighty years. It's not too late. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not too yeah, late at all. Just jump on the train. Ellen White's dead. That's usually the limit of like every Adventist understanding. But if you're not Adventist, it's still for you because I don't know, we just have a fun take on it. And it's good to learn about how other churches history, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, very cool. I just realized though, that giving you space to plug on this podcast is, is odd because most of the people that listen to this definitely know that your stuff exists well but on the off chance that we get new listeners you know and for future yeah, but they, sake, should, it's they should definitely hear the other side of it because <laughs> there they may not have the best yeah, opinion right. of you i tend to uh <laughs> I tend to talk
1: down all of my compet- I mean all of my friends in podcasting, obviously. See, I I appreciate um, that because I just had assumed you were like telling your listeners, this is the only podcast. There are no other podcasts.
0: <laughs> there are no I have a running directory of all Adventist hosted podcasts on on my website. It's yeah, only mine. All my, the links, the all one the one links the go to this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, which by the way, if anyone is curious, the Adventist, the the directory of Adventist hosted podcasts that I that I have on Absurdity's website, um just so it's theabsurdity.org slash resources. And that isn't necessarily meant to be like a list of just all of the Adventist or Seventh-day Adventist podcasts. It's all of the podcasts that I know of and I need to update it actually, um, that are hosted by Seventh-day Adventists. So it it could be a, a podcast about movies and culture and entertainment. It could be a podcast about photography or film. It could be a podcast about uh, you know a, a children's series. I know I have a couple on there that are that. Um, so it's not necessarily Adventist content. It's just um p- Podcasts hosted by Adventists. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I didn't really have the time to write out descriptions for 50 some odd, 60 some odd podcasts. So they're just links. I trust that you'll click a name that you think is interesting and read the description and find an episode. There you go. Um, so yeah, there it is. Um, so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about stuff with COVID 19 and kind of how the church has responded, what our personal feelings are on everything, because that's what. You know, people do on a podcast as they talk about their personal feelings. Um, it just so happens that a hundred percent of the time, my personal feelings also happen to be fact. Um, they just—it's just great when it's just great when those two things yeah, line okay. up. <laughs> just so consistently.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is absurdly hosted by Ryan Becker. Also, sidekick is his ego. Co-hosted yes, by his ego.
0: Co-host. Yes, the third the third host is yes. my ego. He has his own microphone and everything. Yeah. Now I want to do that. Now I want like a specific setup that is just um, that is just a third microphone. No one's sitting there, just an empty chair. <laughs>
1: and like occasionally, you pause and be like, "Yeah, good point. Good point." You go, "Yeah, yeah, exactly." Oh, that was great.
0: We actually in when when I teach small group leadership to high school students, uh, one of the things that we that we encourage them to do or try is to actually amidst their small group have an extra empty chair. Um, and have that be a reminder, uh, that Jesus is present with you. It's not that Jesus is physically sitting in that chair or anything like the chair has no power and no real significance other than it's just a reminder that there is that, you know, God is among you, Mm. um, as you discuss and talk and pray together, which is really cool. And a lot of groups have done that. A lot of leaders have done that and, and have really been, uh, blessed by it, have really we thought it was cool. So I like the idea of an empty chair. Uh, it's just this time it'll be my ego, uh, not the Holy spirit. Um, cause you know, that, that didn't come out bad enough. You better all. get an overstuffed so,
1: chair. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> so Matt, you've talked with me a little bit about what, what we're, uh, what we're discussing today, but I want to give you the opportunity to just kind of intro it, um, and, and lead us into today's
1: episode. Sure, thanks. Uh, you know, I mean, we're all kind of paying really close attention right now to Twitter and Reddit and Facebook and all these sort of things. And, you know, as a pastor, I'm curious what other churches are doing, not just, not just their worship, not just doing live stream of their music and of their preaching and all that sort of stuff. But like many churches are doing outreach, which is a really tricky thing right now, right? Like you can't do a lot of physical contact. You kind of inviting them to church. I mean, some churches are inviting people to their church and it's not going very well, but you know, you see like, <laughs> shout out. Tampa. Yeah. Right. Florida, uh, love Florida (sighs) anyways. So like I, I saw a church on Facebook, like they wrapped toilet paper, like individual rolls of toilet paper with like a little message from their church and their logo on it. And they started like leaving them on people's doorsteps. And some of the people who commented on this post were like, yeah, way to go guys. That's some great ministry there. And other people were like, aren't you spreading more germs? Like you're touching it. Like, are you wearing gloves and like masks as you, wrap these rolls of toilet paper and leave them on the doorstep. You know, like, so there's some kind of some mixed feelings about churches doing outreach right now. Even like the drive-in church where they, yeah, they rent out the, the theaters or whatever. Like, so I don't know. Like, so I, I, I began thinking about like, how do we think about that? It, it, is it a good thing or like what ideas are good? What ideas are like, ah, uh, that doesn't seem like it's good. It's going to spread more germs. I don't know. Well, and it's interesting to watch kind of everyone try and figure this out too,
0: because I remember seeing, I think it was in Colorado where there was a movie theater that turned their, the side of their building into a drive-in and they did, they did a whole drive-in theater with the sound coming through the AM, through an AM or FM radio station or something like that, like radio frequency. And then, um, they would, they made their money off of the concessions and they would sell and have workers bring out food to your car. And so it it is really cool to watch um, to watch not just churches try and figure out and pivot, but also uh, just straight up businesses and organizations outside of
1: that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like I went and got some Lebanese food on Friday. It was my wife's birthday over the weekend. And like, they thanked me profusely for coming in and, and I have no problem doing that. Like, I'm happy to support local restaurants, but I don't. I mean, I mean, no offense to anybody, but I don't know if I'd trust theater food to be sanitary under normal conditions. (laughs) Oh, fair, fair. I mean, just get some candy. Yeah, right. Uh, It'd be like, this will be $10. Uh, But anyways, yeah, like, so there's a lot of creative ideas. And I imagine for some of these theater chains, like, especially the outdoor ones, or like even the one you mentioned, uh, their opinion of churches must go up because who else is going to be driving income towards them right now? You know what I mean? Like. Exactly. Churches, I mean, so I guess on the positive side, it's like churches are thinking creatively and as a result, they're probably helping a lot of people locally, helping some businesses when they order some food or, you know, I know a lot of churches are like bringing food to people in the emergency room or ICU or whatever to kind of thank and appreciate the doctors and nurses who are on the front lines of this thing. So, I mean, that's definitely a positive side of this because like who else is doing this? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well- I, I'm excited to see what the innovation is through this as companies are figuring out how to sustain themselves. But, you know, with the church, even, even as they are doing these new things, it's, you know, part of this is, it's not even just, we want to stay relevant. A lot of this seems to be, um, and there's nothing wrong with what I'm about to say, by the way, there's zero things wrong with it. <laughs> well, it's it. good but to know of it of is. Um, well, it, it's self-preservation. Yeah. And if I had just said that, it would be easy to think like they're being selfish, but not really, oh, yeah, I mean we just we just watched a um a conference in the Midwest, a conference in Adventism is the organization that kind of oversees all of the churches in a given state, usually state, but about a statewide size area um and this conference basically said, like, hey, because we're not meeting, tithe and income is way down, and will will you know is going to go down." But we promise that we're trying not to lay anyone off and we're we're all gonna be sharing a pay cut equally so that all of us can still, you know, maintain employment. Right. And um which, you know, sucks to have to say that, but at the same time, I would honestly rather take a pay cut and make sure that someone else has their job and health insurance for the family and everything versus, you know, someone getting laid out laid off and I get to keep a couple thousand a yep. year. But the um but watching that, like, it's going to be interesting to see how much of what's happening now actually helps sustain the church after this, because it's the after this, that's where this is really right. going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. And th- this is, that's really the the million dollar question here. Uh, and I want to get to that in a minute. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, you know, like what, what happens next? It's, it's. I think the myopic stage is probably ending soon. You know, like the we just need to get online, we need to get something going, da 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 da. da. Like yep. I think we're I think most churches, if they're gonna get something going online, they've done it already. And yep. and then I think once that's done, we can start looking like, okay, what's gonna happen after this is over? And we'll get to that uh in a minute. Yes. Absolutely. But I think the, the the question right now is like, which of these which you know, how do we do outreach? And Like you see some kind of retro stuff. Like I watched this guy on Instagram in the UK. He just pulled up his like really crappy car. I mean, I I think everybody in the UK has like a really tiny crappy car. It's just just like the American perspective. It's like you couldn't fit anything. And it's like a shoebox. Anyways, so he like pulls out a speaker and a microphone and just starts blasting amazing grace in what looks like a pretty affluent neighborhood. And people are like coming out of their houses and standing on the doorsteps and kind of staring. And it's like, I know I watched that and I'm like, is that evangelism or is that annoying? Uh, it depends on your belief system. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? But no, no, that's a great question.
0: Is that, um, like, I feel if, if that happened here, I would be annoyed yeah. to say the least. Like, I don't, in a time where there is already a ton of disruption, me personally, I don't like being disrupted in the thing I'm doing already. Right. So in a time of a lot of his disruption, more disruption is not what I really want. Um, However, I can see why things like that, like a bunch of stuff in Italy, seeing them, you know, seeing people singing um, in, you know, from their apartments and hearing the streets fill with music and um, stuff like that's really cool. And at the end of the day, I have headphones, so (laughs) I I don't mind if it's not, if it's something I don't like, I think it's really cool. That being said, I don't know that I would want to. Like be a part of it myself, right? So if somebody was personally. like, "Hey Ryan,
1: here's a mic and a speaker. Go, go to this neighborhood. Like this is our church's evangelism. You got this block. You're like, no, yeah, no, that's not yeah. happening." Nope. And I don't. Know, it's like, uh, is that an introvert thing? Because I mean, obviously we've had street yes. preachers before, but street preachers are always just kind of looked at as like, you know, I don't know. Like they're trying to get, they're trying to build a YouTube channel, or they're just kind of half mm. out there. Well.
0: I think I think it's partially an introvert thing. I think it's partially like I I do think it's it's mainly a personality driven thing because my thing, my personal thing is I don't like disrupting other people or inconveniencing other people. So I don't like drawing unnecessary attention to myself for something that could be seen as ridiculous or outrageous or whatever because I don't want. I know how I felt when I've seen that happen and I don't want other people to feel that way too. Yeah. So like whenever I go with a bunch of college students into a restaurant, I tell them, hey guys, like let's not be the typical college student group. And I'm like hyper aware of when they're getting loud right. or whatever. Right. Um, I really want to leave a good impression and not inconvenience anyone. And so for me, that sounds like if I were to go with a microphone to a speaker to a neighborhood, the only, the only way I would do it is if I was announcing like, hey, uh, we're just going to leave some food on your doorstep you know, we're from X church. We're just wanting to uh, make sure everyone is taken care of in, in our neighborhood. And I'm going to, we're just going to be leaving some food on your doorstep, like ice cream truck style, just like driving through with that speaker on right. repeat. That would be like, that's <laughs> the only, like if I'm actually coming to give something, yeah. like that's you're, where you,
1: I'm, that's where I like, you it. know, you're, you're offering something of value. Correct. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, so, you know, I guess the, the, the curiosity is whether COVID-19 kind of changes the calculus in that. like, I understand I feel a certain way before the virus about street preachers and people going out with a microphone like that. Like, does that change now that we're kind of starved for, for human contact? Like if, if I heard somebody doing that in my neighborhood, am I going to think, Hey, that church or that person like cares about us? Or am I going to think, you know, Oh, they're just trying to sell the gospel to me. Like they're using this crisis as like an excuse to come blast this neighborhood. You know, I don't know. Like, am I that cynical?
0: I think, no, no, because I would think the same thing. And to be honest, the, the kicker for the, or the thing that would determine that is was that church doing anything before the crisis in this neighborhood? Yeah. I think that's the determination from, like that's at least one of the main determinations was if that church didn't care about us before, mm. then what? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'll take the free food um, <laughs> <laughs> if I need it. But... That Like that is, if if I, do I feel like, I think even in a time of disruption, humanity is really still good at figuring out when something is inauthentic yeah. for the most part, when it comes from a religious, the religious sector. Mm. So that's, sure. that's where I see that, where it could come across as really sure. inauthentic. Sure. Um, sure. Sure. So yeah, what else, I I guess, what are some of the other things that you've seen uh, churches doing other than like live streaming their services throughout all of this? Well,
1: one of the curious one, I really want to see how this works. I've seen several churches announce that they're doing something like in Minecraft for Easter. And it just got me thinking like, we can't really baptize people right now, but it like Let's say you, Ryan, wanted to be baptized by a church and they're having a service in Minecraft, however they want to do it. Like, can you be baptized in Minecraft? Does that count? <laughs> yeah, I, right. That's the, can you be baptized? In, can I? No, dude, I think
0: we should just be, I love the meme I saw, baptizing by dunk tank. Yeah, right.
1: That is my yeah, favorite. No, that's great. And the
0: Holy Spirit, if whether or not I hit this target, it's, it's,
1: it's does the Holy Spirit want you to be baptized? Right? That's really what we're, yeah. that's what determines now, it. I want to change the calculus though of my, of my question. I love the dunk tank thing. I, like I would 100% do that. If I had a member, so if, I, 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 if I had somebody who wanted to be baptized and i would be like, yo, we got a dunk tank and they were okay with it. 100% would do it. Okay. okay. But let's assume this. Okay. Uh, let's assume with this Minecraft thing that we find out some bad news that COVID-19 has mutated. It's like even worse now. And mm-hmm. we've extended like this stay at home thing for like a year. Okay. Let's just say that. Like, does that, does that change how we look at like a Minecraft baptism? If we know there's like 12 months where we have to stay inside and can't go anywhere. It's like, cause we, you know, we might change our mind if it's like, well, I just got to wait two months. Then we can baptize them for real. Yeah, you know, like, I'm I'm just kind of wondering, you know, when VR gets kind of universal and we kind of become this ready player one world, like, is that going to be okay? <laughs> like, can you baptize somebody in the game and be like, I don't know this person. I'll probably never meet this person, but this person, maybe they're behind, like, maybe they're in China or something or in North mm-hmm. Korea and somehow they've, they've gotten on Minecraft because <laughs> as we were discussing, North Koreans are known for their Minecraft, uh, awesomeness
0: oh yeah we were talking about that before we started recording was north koreans being good at minecraft
1: we don't actually know if that's a thing by the way no
0: don't it's completely unrelated
1: it has nothing to do with this exactly but let's say somebody in north korea wants to be baptized okay so there's like no real chance that i'm going to north korea to baptize this person like can i baptize in minecraft like does that count with jesus (laughs) does that count with jesus
0: um i personally are you asking me that like straight up yeah i i like Yes, but at the same time, I don't think that that's even needed at that point. Yeah, like at at that point, it feels like baptism. You're, we're over simple. Or we're, here's here's what I see. Instead of a Minecraft baptism, uh-huh. what I see is uh, this being a chance to really enact the priesthood of all believers. And as long as a ordained pastor is telling someone in your household that they can baptize you, get in the tub. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like I I, I at least within Adventism, that's how it would kind of work. Um, But no, I, I like, I think, I think trying to sustain baptism that way feels like we're putting too much importance on baptism and not the
1: decision itself. Sure. 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 Well, anyways, you're, you're robbing me of the joy of like you having somebody flying above the baptismal candidate with a bucket of water in Minecraft. And then he pours it and forgot it was a lava bucket. But anyways, Fine. I mean, we still could do
0: that. I have (laughs) zero complaints and it's not like churches aren't going to be doing stuff like that. I'm just saying that I don't think, I think our energies are better spent focused elsewhere. Yeah.
1: I guess. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So I gotcha. I gotcha. Fine. Uh, read a tweet goes like this. I urge pastors to start donating food items to their members. A good church that does regular visitation must have the data of members Drop the food in their doorsteps. This is the real evangelism of this time. It goes a long way. End quote. Do you agree or disagree?
0: Ooh. I. I agree. And there's actually a reason that I agree with this to some extent, um, which is that number one, I discovered this recently. I did not know this, but in, in states where you have a stay at home order, in most cases, I can't say this hundred percent of the time. If you have a ministerial license, you can be out driving and going to your church or whatever. You can count as essential work. Sweet. If you're working for a church, the ministerial license basically serves as your kind of letter of, of, you know, of, uh, you know, your official letter allowing you to work. so, if there is anyone that can be doing this and have it counted as official work or essential work in an, in an area where there's a stay at home order, which Tennessee is now under one, then yes, I absolutely think that this is a hundred percent possible and doable. The difficult thing here is how do you go shopping for that food? How do you actually accumulate those goods knowing that, uh, you can't really, um, you know, you can't go shopping for more than what you need really
1: right now. There's some items you can buy a lot of. Yeah. But a yeah. lot of other ones are rationed. I wonder if that same like ministerial credential would allow you to buy multiple of something that usually is restricted for the sake of giving it to others. That would be cool.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um I'd I'd be curious to know as well what you could kind of get away with. I I, I would just think you would need I mean, granted, I don't think cashiers are gonna care that much themselves, but I there's got to be a way to you know just kind of prove that, um, prove that that's the purpose that you're using them for. Right. I that's that's the that's where it gets kind of uh, hairy for me. But I do think if you can figure out how to actually accumulate the food, whether that's from some of your maybe more affluent members or you know some people who have some extra foods, maybe in maybe it's the reverse. So some church members actually leave extra food out on their doorstep. And you go pick it up and then you go and deliver that.
1: That's a cool idea. You know, I just, I, I, I agree with it too. The part that I am a little bit conflicted about is he says, this is the real evangelism of this time. And I think, yeah, but we're talking about doing things for our members,
0: Yes, that I agree with. I agree with you 100% saying like, yeah, that's not evangelism.
1: Yeah. I mean, like in a sense, sure. Like you're proclaiming the good news to people who have already heard it and accepted it. That's like, that's fine. Doesn't mean you like, don't get to hear it again or experience it again, but that's not like quote unquote, the real evangelism of this time, like in the fullest sense of that, of that phrase. So like the question would then be, how do you identify people in your community who aren't members of your church who need food and deliver it to them? Yeah. Yeah, that I I would agree with that 100%. And I think,
0: I mean, I, I, I think there's, I think there's several ways to do it. Um, the, you know, the first one that comes to mind is literally just maybe not go door to door, but in, in, well, and you can't leave stuff in people's mailboxes, but even leaving something just at their front door, maybe that just says, hey, we're trying to put together food packets, you know, yeah, or, you know, ready, you know, meals for families that are in need, uh, please, you don't need to leave your name or anything. Just leave, check yes, and we'll be back tomorrow at X time to pick this slip up. Check yes if you would like something, check no if you yep. wouldn't. And like, here's how many people are in my house, whatever. Um, I think something like that could work. You are somewhat relying on the goodwill of those, you know, the honesty of those that are filling those out. Yeah. But I, you're always relying on something. So right. there's always some unknown. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean I've I've thought about a lot about this over the past few days. And we have a like a subdivision behind our church. And uh you know, I thought like not all churches think this way. Like a lot of churches think of themselves kind of territorial, like we're gonna plant a church over here because there isn't any other church on this side of town. Uh Evanist churches don't yeah. tend to think that way. We think all of the territory is ours. Uh <laughs> 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 and uh you know, but you know, I, I look at these neighborhoods and it's like, maybe there's an, there's a, uh, a method to that territorial mindset. We can be like, look, this church, you guys cover these blocks and we'll cover these blocks. And we thought about putting out some door hangers and just leaving them on people's doors and be like, if you need food, we are the church right here on the corner. Like here's a phone mm. number. You can text it. You can call it. Let us know. And we will bring you food. No questions asked. We're not going to leave a tract yeah. somewhere in the bag. You know what I mean? Like it's anonymous. You don't have to give us your name. Just tell us, you know, like whatever, what house number and we'll leave it on the doorstep within, you know, a couple of days, something like that, you know?
0: Yeah. Like the, the I think this, I think this, this can work in a, from, from an evangelistic point of view. Um, if you really are willing to pick a street and and focus on that street, yeah. focus on one small subdivision, not a whole neighborhood, something. Like focus on a, what is manageable, um and have a and have a plan for how you'll actually manage all of that. Many churches do have a food pantry, or uh, as some would call it, a Dorcas room. Um, that is a Bible reference, not You're like a Dorcas, Dorcas room. room. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I I I can definitely see like that something like that working. However, do I think a lot of churches are going to
1: do it? Not yeah. uh, necessarily. No. <laughs> but it'd be great. Like, I mean you know, churches are horrible at cooperating with each other, which is a real different subject altogether, but you know, it'd be great to like kind of divide it up that way. So that, you know, there's all, there's a lot of churches in America and you could easily divide up any city in manageable chunks, but mm-hmm. we don't, and you know, I don't know. That just leads me to the question, like, is food really the critical thing? I mean, there's still a lot of food, toilet paper, yeah, toilet paper. uh, you know, I don't know. I have a, personally, I feel like toilet paper is going to come back and, you know, no one's going <laughs> to die without it. But, you know, again, like what should you, you know, is food the thing that people need? Cause I don't know. Have you heard of a lot of people running out of food in the news? I mean, there's still a lot of food available. Um,
0: no, but okay. No, but at the same time, we haven't fully seen the effects of the increased unemployment rate. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that food is an issue, but if, if that bill, if that tab is covered, then that tab is covered. You know what I mean? Um, I could honestly even see, um, man, I could see churches, um, even on the flip side of that, like, Hey, if you need to go grocery shopping, go, go, um, you know, go buy some food up to a hundred dollars or something like that. And tomorrow and, you know, tape the receipt to your door. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll write you a check, and yeah. um and reimburse that cost. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it could be any number of things, but I think I think money is going to be the root of this, and food is just going to be one of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it, it's not going to make anyone's life perfect. But at some point, there's nothing the church can do to take care of the the big problem of unemployment right now. So the least we can do is start. I, I I talked about this on a, on one of our I think at the first episode we talked about coronavirus stuff. Um, I don't want to let perfect be the enemy of better or good. Yeah. Right. So if we can do something good, then let's do good. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I you know I it just kind of leads me to this other question because I, I have really conflicted feelings about this and I want to know how you feel about it because you know when I saw the church passing out toilet paper rolls you know, and they had branded it and they had a nice shiny message on it that was really well written. It just got me thinking like, is there a difference between proclaiming the gospel and promoting the church? Because those two things always seem to be intertwined. Like, can you just leave food on someone's doorstep without like, here's how to join our church information attached to it?
0: Uh, some members wouldn't let you. Uh, it depends on who's on your church board. Right. <laughs> um, I I think there is a difference. Um, however, I think to some extent, if you are proclaiming the gospel, you are somewhat always promoting the church, right? You're promoting the church. You may not be promoting your specific church. Right. Um, it's okay to mention where you're from and who sent you, whatever, as long as you're... here's. The, the difference is that I think it's important that if you are going to do anything that proclaims the gospel, there doesn't need to be strings attached because there's no strings attached to the gospel. So the idea being, if I'm leaving you food and telling you where I'm from, then then here you go. I'm not expecting you to show up or interact. By the way, strings attached to the gospel. I mean, there's nothing you have to do to get more of the gospel. That's what I mean by strings attached to the gospel. Like believing is a string attached. But that's I mean, there's no extra effort that goes into other than believe it and for food and receive it. So with food, it's receive it. With whatever I leave at your doorstep, it's just right. receive it.
1: Yeah. I don't see I we're just we're just everybody's a brand now, right? Uh it's not just Coca Cola and Microsoft, you know, with their commercials, their Super Bowl commercials or whatever, you know, like this big business thing. Like YouTube, if you have a YouTube channel, it's a brand, right? People have their own personal blogs and stuff like everybody's a brand. And I just, I get that churches do that too. Like churches are, many of them are really good at it. Like they know how to get the name out there and people know, oh, it's that church on the, you know, whatever side of town and they're the mega church. And I get it. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's like, you got to get your name out there people know who you are and where you are. But on the other hand, it just, I don't know, man. I i just, I go back and forth on it. I, I agree that there's a difference between proclaiming the gospel, promoting your specific church. That's a good distinction that you made between promoting the church, the Christian church and your specific congregation. But sometimes it just seems like we net like churches never miss an opportunity to put their logo on something.
0: Accurate. I, yes, I can agree with that. Um, And that's where that to me is where self-preservation kind of becomes a bad thing is if you can't do an act of good without, like the problem with stamping your name on it can be that you are like, you're basically saying like, I can do no good unless you know where I come from. Mm. However, in a time like this, I almost think it's necessary to stamp your name on it only so that people can actually trust whatever it is that you're giving them. Like if you're not stamping, your, like I'm not just going to eat food left by a stranger. That's fair. On my doorstep, other than doordash, doordash is the one exception um except i have I have a bone to pick because last night i did, did I did doordash taco Bell, and the person lashed oh my food right in front of the porch door, like the outer door, and so that when I swung it open, it knocked my <laughs> drink over um so I'm bitter about that and not I didn't lose any drink, but I was just like I had to be careful, but like yeah, I was like, "Are we really doing this? Yeah. Is, is this what's? Did you not think about this at all when you walked up? You opened the door outwardly to knock on my inner right. door, and you didn't. My word, I'm <laughs> still bitter. Um, but no, I, I that that's the thing. Like, you have to, you have to announce who you are. What matters is that you're not announcing. You're not. You're. I think even like I'm such a big fan of someone being clear and right. like right, really, really like over." over clarity too much clarity but I, I i'm almost a fan of saying like hey we're letting you know who we are not because we want you to do anything but just so that you can know what the source of this gift is sure. so that you can trust it yeah like i almost feel like that sentence or that statement in some form should almost be yeah. mandatory on whatever you're doing I,
1: I, I mean i totally agree with that i mean sometimes you know you get like literature left in your car and it's like signed you know it's like from friends of jesus you know and you're like yeah. No, yeah <laughs> no (laughs) No. jesus's friends have names read the
0: gospels jesus is my friend what's that what's that song sunseed jesus is my friend everyone go look up that youtube video you are not prepared (laughs) for the greatest christian music video that you will ever ever see Pause the podcast go watch it come back yes go go look up sunseed s-o-n-s-e-e-d (laughs) you You're welcome.
1: Um, So I don't know. To me, there has to be a middle middle ground. Like I agree with knowing where it's from, but sometimes I just think, you know, I I get letters from a, a really big church here and like they're all the time sending letters like, Hey, our new sermon series is this, Hey, we dug so many wells in Africa. Thanks to all the people who gave money. Hey, we did this. And I'm just like, I'm tired of it. Like, I get it. I'm glad you're doing good things. Don't get me wrong. But it just, it always seems like I'm being marketed to.
0: Yes. that I mean, I, I signed up for an event at a church in Charlotte, just outside of Charlotte, um, that I ended up not being able to go to, because it happened right at the time that I ended up doing a job transition, so I couldn't go anymore. And that was two years ago, and, or a year and a half ago. And up until this month, because I finally hit the unsubscribe button, I was getting marketing emails about that church, from that church, because I had registered for the event. Man that was not a church service that was it was literally just a leadership event for people from all over to come to and you're sending me advertising materials for whatever you're doing as a church on a weekly basis on a you know i like i have no interest in that there's no way i would have interest in that because i don't live there i'm not like i came to your church for an event right <laughs> from somewhere else right
1: yeah, that's the kind of thing that just feels so shady and sure. dirty to like, it just doesn't feel good to me. But this is, I mean, but this is kind of how it works now. You haven't, you know, whether it's that or it's like, there's an iPad in the lobby, please sign our, our guest book, which is no longer a book, you know? And then you, you know, like you just assume that information is going to be used and it's going to come back to me in one way or another. I'm going to get in, I'm going to be on some Mailchimp list. You know, I'm going to get something yep. in the mail. It's like, a, I don't want those, th- you know, but, but you just assume that's how church works now. And I, mm-hmm. that's tough. That's tough. I, I don't, I don't that's know why what I the think, solution is.
0: But see, that's why I think that like doing something like this, that is partially anonymous, partially, um, like here's a phone number you can call if you want to verify this or whatever. But outside of that, like it being rather no strings attached is, um, there is no space for you to be on a MailChimp list. If all I'm doing is saying
1: I need some food. Yeah. Uh, um, well, that's it. And maybe, maybe that like, if we do these door hangers, you kind of just promise them we're not adding you to any list. Like we're not going to mail your name out to some prayer list online. We're not going to put you on like our evangelism list. So when we do something in like two years, we're going to invite, you know what I mean? Like, this is just a one-time thing, you know, during this crisis, we just want to be there for you. You know what I mean? Kind of just kind of state your state, the, like the limits of your interest.
0: Absolutely. State exactly what your intentions are. Because that is, I think that's the, that's the kicker is everyone is, everyone thinks there is some un- underlying intent or purpose to this. Um So I think you need to just be very clear on saying like, this is why we're doing this. Whether you ever show up to a church church, Church service or not, we don't really care. Yeah, well, we kind like, of care. Well, like, we kind of care, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like, like, oh, you are here. That's nice. Saying, <laughs> we're not saying you have to promise you'll attend. Right, 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 right. Um, so that you'll get this food. Right. And when I was pastoring, that actually happened. Ouch. Where yes, and it was incredibly. One one of my members started taking food over to a couple or to a family that lived across the street in secret, because the church members would complain if they knew, cause we had been doing it before they complained that, well, they never come
1: here. Why are we still giving yep. them food? Ouch. So yeah. yeah, I, right. And that, that thinking is so prevalent in so many churches. Yeah, it, it's, it is. And you know, I don't know. So I think we're, we're seeing here like a time of like genuine, creative, caring outreach attempts. And we're seeing, has always kind of characterized modern Christianity is some opportunism as well. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to divorce good opportunism from bad opportunism, you know, like taking advantage of an opportunity yeah. to spread the gospel versus like, just like, no, you see it and you're like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, so we're seeing like a combination of both and, I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm working on it with some, with some pastors and I'm like, let's get together. Let's do just some like online preaching like for the internet. Let's, let's give a message for the internet. We're not, we do I don't have a local congregation. I'm inviting them to cause they're, whoever's going to watch is going to live all over the place. And I don't yeah. want to raise money. Like I want to, I don't know. I want to find like a dig wells somewhere. Like, non-profit doesn't even have to be a ministry and be like, we're going to raise money for this. Like, mm. This is something we're doing because we want you guys to hear this message. But in terms of money, I don't want any of your money. Send it to this nonprofit. They need it. You know, just to try well, things I mean, Are there any?
0: Are there any research groups or anything that, that 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 money can be sent to for COVID-19 vaccines? Yeah,
1: or something like that. Like, yeah, exactly. Because right. I just, I think to me, like Christianity's problem, one of the problems in the West is just kind of like you're you're trying to, divorce what you're trying to do in terms of spreading the message of Jesus from the perception many people have of these like multi-million dollar ministries and kind of cult situations with some of these celebrity preachers. And like, you're just trying to say like, we're not preaching to you so that we can build up our church financially or otherwise. Like we just, because the message in and of itself, it it is a reward just to spread it. Like just to tell you that you are loved. And that God has forgiven mm-hmm. you. Like we don't need anything else other than that, and we want to make, just make that super clear.
0: Well, I so we talked about this before. My university is doing live stream vespers every Friday night, and uh, one of the prayer requests we, we've been we have a phone number set up that people can text in their prayer requests to throughout the week, and the campus ministries office uh, and myself are praying over these uh, throughout the week, and then we share some of them on the actual live stream, obviously anonymous. Well.
1: Hello. One of them actually
0: said. Uh, one of those prayer requests actually said, "Like, hey, I've been I've been struggling with like isolation and loneliness, and now like this has made me feel this whole isolation and social distancing thing has made me feel even more alone and forgotten. Mm. Um, I don't feel like anyone sees me, mm. and that is um, like that is absolutely huge in terms of how far some of this stuff." can really go because what ultimately the message that's being said here is we see you and we want to do something for you. Yeah. That's what the message to this kind of good is, is,
1: you know, that's the message that's being sent. And
0: I'd like to see us do more of that. Yeah.
1: Man, that that's a great way to, to like reach the neighborhoods around your churches. I mean, just yes, food, but just to communicate that message, like you're not forgotten. You're mm-hmm. not alone in this. You know, we will get through this you know, just to kind of give people hope. Yeah, man, Yeah, that's it.
0: Um, and honestly,
1: like that's the other thing that you
0: could do. Like you could, if you wanted to go out and start playing music, why don't you actually schedule that with something that goes on their doorsteps alongside the food? Like, Hey, uh, as a reminder that we're all not alone, grab something on your, you know, grab a a lawn chair or a kitchen chair, come sit out on the lawn and, um, and enjoy some music with us or whatever. Um, or we're going to, we're going to set up something in the cul-de-sac. Right. And, social distancing one-on-one, right. you know, like it, it just have a, have a good time, have a cooking class outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, but like do something of value to your neighborhood, um, and to whatever neighborhood you are serving as well as to your church members. Honestly, I think the first step for any of these churches should be figuring out how to take care of their members. Yeah. Um, there was, there's, you know, that that's number one. If you don't even know the state of like where your members are at, financially not i mean not like you need to know how much money they have but like are they are do you have any church members in need because if you're about to divert a bunch of church funds and time and energy and effort into something that's evangelistic then you're not doing proper
1: stewarding of the of the people that are within your own walls totally agreed because i imagine in some churches out there there's going to be members who at the end of this are going to say you know what the treasurer, the pastor got up there week after week for years and years and years asking for money, encouraging us to support the church. And when I needed the church, nobody called yep. like they will yep. remember that.
0: Yep. Oh, you, you, you're great at making the neighborhood feel seen, but you didn't even see me. Yep. And I sit in the third pew every, you know, every Saturday. Yeah. And I tuned into the live stream every week, but you've never once asked if I need anything. Yep. So I think there is like, there's definitely room there to say, let's take care of our own before we, before we fully commit here to being any sort of evangelistic. But part of that is finding out, like I found out my neighborhood has an email list, my street, like all the houses on my street have an email list, which is really cool. They didn't Um, invite you? No, I'm on it. That's how I found out was I was invited to be a part of it. And, um, but the reason I bring that up is like there may be some of your church members who have something similar, whether it's a text list with their neighbors or whatever. That can be a really good way to find out if there's any needs in your yep. in your area as well. Taking care of your members can be can very much be the, the door that you go through in order to take care of even more people. Yep.
1: So, yep. Yeah, yep. That's. Indeed. So we're seeing all these churches kind of try new things and whether it's the toilet paper or they go down to a community center and give out food or whether it's a Minecraft Easter egg hunt or going out in the street, whatever it is. I think as we look toward the future, the question is, uh, is this going to stick? Like how much of this is going to be like part of our new way of doing things? I was talking with uh
0: with a couple other creatives in a Facebook group message. I don't know if you're actually in that one or not. Someone messaged you kind know, of sharing their frustrations and uh someone else in that group that I don't want to I don't want to like name any names and it's not like this was a bad thing terribly, but they were like, you know, the one good thing of value in this is that uh church leaders now underst- are starting to understand how much work actually goes into a short 5-minute video. <laughs> <laughs> um which is accurate. They're, they're going to understand a little bit more how hard what we're doing or, you know, what, what creatives do uh, actually is. And that's either, I think that's going to be, that's going to result in a fork in the road where some churches will fully embrace it. And some churches, because of how much work it we'll say, yeah, we're, we're done doing this now. We don't like this. We don't want to do this anymore. This is not our area of interest. We don't care. Yeah. Um, and that, and this time really proved it. Yeah. Um, I think the difficulty is that there's no, I don't think a lot of churches are keeping track of the metrics and all of this. So they really don't know how successful it's going to be in any terms of numbers or in results. And they don't know what results they're looking for other than we need to go online. Mm -hmm. So there doesn't, it seems to be a lack of intentionality.
1: Well, I imagine for some of those churches that have resisted getting on. And by the way, if this crisis will not get your member on Facebook or get your church some doing something online, like nothing will, nothing will. But fair you know i imagine for some of those who are kind of coming late to the party and they're they're just getting live streaming going i'm sure some of that like they'll figure out strategy as they go along but yeah. uh yeah that you know i i agree i had a friend wyatt who's who posted online and he's like after all this is over everybody's tech team needs to get a raise yep and by that we mean you know pay them anything yeah something <laughs> Something like there better be Starbucks gift cards that go around.
0: Well, and that's why I finally, like, I think you've seen it. I, I, you know, this weekend I posted, um, I'm not, I haven't really blasted on, on the network at all because it's been so short of a time period time window, but, um, you know, I'm doing a webinar for church leaders or just individuals who are looking to start a podcast Yep. And I finally did that because I was so tired of people calling me and me spending so much of my time giving out this advice for things that I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours learning about and studying about. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I need to find a way to make this actually sustainable because I have a full-time job. I have other things I have to do. I have my own podcasts I need to focus on. Yep. Um, so I finally said, all right, here's a way that I can make this worth my time and still be, uh, still have something that benefits people. And so, yeah, I'm doing a webinar on how to how to start a podcast for these people. Yeah. Um, what dates is that webinar there, Ryan? Uh, well, one is the date of the release of this this podcast, Sweet. so it's April six today, today, uh, today. Unless you're listening to this another day, in which case it already passed yesterday. But the first one, the first one is April six from seven to nine p.m. Eastern. Uh, the second is uh, Thursday, April nine from seven to nine p.m. Eastern. And then uh, the last one is Friday afternoon from one to three p.m. Eastern time. So that's uh, April ten. And uh, don't worry; it's likely that we will be doing these again in the future. Um, this is kind of also a testing ground to see just how fruitful this is and if it's worth actually investing in in making what this you know this a serious part of what I do. Um, but for now, um, it, this is part testing ground, part um, part like active, obviously like active advice and teaching and 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 empowering and equipping. So Wait. um you can find all the info for that on absurdnetwork.com slash webinar and, and there will be a link in the How much show would notes. that
1: cost if I wanted to attend? Ten bucks
0: Ten it's bucks. nothing.
1: Yeah that it's is nothing.
0: N- it's it's nothing. Ten dollars
1: is all I'm asking. Um well, but, each but let's say they're not interested in in like starting a podcast. Is there another way to support the absurd network? Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Um if you go to Uh, theabsurdity.org slash donate you will actually find several ways that you can donate whether it's through PayPal uh, you can email me and find out how to give I've had some people actually reach out to me and just ask if they can give through Cash App or Venmo that's cool Yeah. Um, or you can do Patreon and that's the biggest one is Patreon or absurdnetwork.com slash merch I'm glad that we had this ad break in the middle (laughs) (laughs) that ended
1: up weird I feel no Uh, I feel like that always needs to be in there so I'm always looking for an opportunity Uh, because I want you to close your eyes I know this is a podcast and tell me what shirt am i wearing Ooh, are you wearing the absurd network shirt you are let's go i love get it that merch. did you get a long
0: sleeve one yeah i did oh i thought it was a short sleeve that's awesome no, i got a long sleeve um, one i went i'm a high roller ryan hey i like it the um but no i think that a lot of this the, here's here's the reason i think a lot of this will become permanent is because churches have spent real money on getting this equipment and they don't want it to just sit collecting dust. Some still will inevitably, but um, I think a lot of people don't want that to keep happening or happen again to all this money that are all these things that they've spent thousands of dollars yeah. on. <laughs> so I don't, I don't see it. Um,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, I don't see
1: it happening. Yeah, to me, I don't, I don't know if it's the money. To me, it's if this thing can be integrated into the congregation's identity, it will stay. Yes. If it can't, then it won't like it, i can yeah churches I can, waste I can, money I can all the that. time you no know, like if this doesn't become part of like this is who we are now yeah then it doesn't matter I, I can see that i can see that that that's fair um
0: i think here here's my question though if this does stay whether it's live streams or whether it's doing neighborhood runs like that for food or anything else um which is less of a need after this is over Whenever, whatever over looks like, I don't think, I don't think this is, I don't think this is ever over. I think that whatever the new normal is, we're not going back. We're not going back. No, there's no going back. Um, the, the question is, does managing the social media stuff, the live stream, the YouTube become like the new, the token AV guy? Uh, AV role that they always stick youth in. You know what I mean? Like, oh, let's have one of the young people learn how to run the sound. Let's have one of, uh, or like the junior deacon position at a church uh, where they just collect offering. Do you think that this just becomes something relegated to someone else? They're just putting someone in charge of it and they, but they never actually give them any sort of real authority or power in that area. They just want someone to actually post whatever they tell them to post. Or do you think that this really does become something that is a, that is a real ministry of substance in these churches.
1: I, I think the latter, I mean, it's, you know, every church is going to do this differently. I, I, but I do think that the latter is more likely to happen because we don't just see like, let's bring in the kids to go film the old preacher in the way that he wants it done. I, we see a lot of the younger people like taking the reins of this thing. Like they have a voice now. Yeah. And they're not just going to let go of that voice. You know what I mean? Like yes. they're learning how to speak to an internet audience, you know, their people. And it's, you know, so when this is all quote unquote, you know, over whatever the new normal is, you know, I think they're going to be like, I have a voice and I don't want to give that up. And either the church supports me or it doesn't, but I'm not going to yeah. give it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh I think, podcasting is going to have it. I think podcasting itself and YouTube create, content creation is an, is a whole nother boom. Yeah. Like I think this is going to be a whole nother economic boom for that, for, for this. Um, I think, um, so I do think that individuals being empowered to speak and use their voice and amplify their own voice is going to be huge. And I think that's going to be what determines, uh, I think, I think that that is the greatest single area that, that, that people can put pressure on the church is simply by being, Being the person that basically says like, Hey, if you want me involved in this, you need to let me have some authority. Like you need to let me have some actual agency and, and give me the keys. Right. So I, I think that is part of, I think that's part of the key here is individuals not letting themselves be completely taken advantage of either.
1: Yeah. I, the thing I haven't seen yet though, is kind of like a comprehensive framework so let's say you have a younger person who's found their voice. Like they're leading the church's, I don't know, YouTube channel or whatever. And they're getting on there and live streaming and getting it all organized and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like how does that fit into the church's long range mission? Like, what are you going to expect those people to do? If, if the church kind of adopts this emergency situation as, as part of like, yeah, this is what we want to do going forward. How is that going to work with the ordinary avenues of, You know, we're going to preach on Sunday. We're going to preach on Saturday and we're going to invite people to get baptized, you know, and that sort of thing. Like, how does that, how does that integrate in? Like, I want to start a Twitch channel, a Twitch church, but like, how does that, how does that integrate into my church? You know what I mean? Like, how does that become part of our, our life? Like we have a YouTube channel, right? Peoria Avenue? we talked about it at the top of the show. Uh, But like many members don't watch it. Like they don't care. They're not YouTube people. Yeah. You know, well, so and, yeah. How does that integrate? That's, that's the, that's the trick.
0: The problem. I mean, well, I, I think it does integrate in the same way that like evangel- general community service and outreach integrates, which is like, understand that what you're doing is not for the people in your pews. Understand it's for people outside of your pews. Um, what, what, uh, Travis Walker who runs Adventology, uh, another Adventist podcast, he's a pastor in Daytona beach. And he had him. He literally got a new church member within months of starting his podcast because they heard it. And the the guy showed up to his church and then started doing Bible studies and got baptized. That's and is amazing, now regular, right? Like it doesn't. Yes, you may be making content for people all over the place, but since when is that a bad thing? To rem, like people that may not show up to your church, but w- since when is that a bad thing to actually take care of the global church community and create right. something that can be encouraging
1: and edifying to right. them? I mean, that's, that's kind of my mentality. So as I mentioned earlier, it's like, I'm trying to get these preachers together to do some online evangelistic kind of series thing, like just 10 preachers, 10 talks. And my thought is if every, like we're, we're usually so locally focused, like, well, I need to get up locally and spend money on local advertising get people to come to my local church. But if there's 10 preachers in 10 different cities all talking and inviting people to Jesus, then like, just go to whatever church is, local to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I may not live in Tennessee near you, but if I hear you, I'm like, well, you know, whatever he's part of this church. I'm going to go to that church that's in my city. Even if I don't know that person, that pastor there, you know what I mean? Like, so if we all do it, then we just kind of, we, we blanket a large territory. And it's like, I know you responding to me proclaiming the gospel. You might not come to my church, but you might go to Ryan's church. Mm -hmm. And I'm cool with that. You know, to me, that's like really selfless.
0: How is this even, how, how does it not something that benefit? Like churches are already doing this. Think of elevation or Hillsong or, or any of these mega churches that are, that are doing, you know, Bethel that are doing worship music. They're putting out content for the people that aren't their members all the time. Sure. And, and I had a team, uh, a, a team of college students that went out and did praise and worship. They drove an extra four hours out of their way on a trip to go to elevation on Sunday morning because they just wanted to experience it and be there and some of them had never been there and right uh, like that's the kind of like people go out of their way to attend something that has impacted their lives so yes if you're creating content that actually is impactful people will come sure.
1: at some point sure for sure sure but so yeah. yeah i don't know i i do think there's a future for for youth young adults in this church. I don't, I think in some churches they might kind of be like, okay, well this is over. Let's let the old guard reassert dominance and we're going to give them this token position. But I think in a lot of places and they're going to be a bigger part of their local church. And I'm thankful for that. I agree 100%. So um, is there,
0: is there a long-term cost to be, you know, to becoming reliant on all of this? Is there a, you know, is there a risk, inherent risk in, in, you know, transitioning to this kind of substantial, substantively
1: transitioning to this kind of ministry and online presence? Uh, that's, that's really going to be, I think, the unsolvable question at this point. And I think behind that question, I'm, I'm assuming like we're talking about this new reliance upon technology. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I don't know if Zoom specifically is going to survive, you know, as part of the church Uh, language in the future, but you know, if it's zoom, it's Facebook live, it's YouTube streaming, it's a watch party on Facebook, it's Instagram. Like is our, you know, we need those things right now. We like a church practically does not exist without these technologies right now, without email, without, you know, smartphones. Yeah. So we're going to like increasingly lean on them. What happens like 10 years down the line, when they change policies, whatever, they make it harder. Like, uh, are you going to have some churches be like, you know what? We're a small church in Oklahoma. Sorry, Oklahoma. It's like, you know, there's like 15 of us. Zoom is good enough for us. We don't really need to go like drive an hour to meet each other every week. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, is that okay? If a church makes that decision, like, is it just as good as meeting in person? Is that kind of like, ah, yeah, we shouldn't be looking Uh, at like a digital first approach. We should be looking at, uh, being in person first with the digital thing is like a nice side, I guess, meeting place. Yeah, I, I think. I think uh,
0: this goes in line with the question I even asked last week, which is figuring out like social media suddenly became this huge point of connection for everyone, but social media was already a big driver and cause of lo- of the biggest general or the biggest pandemic of loneliness that's ever existed. Yeah. Right. So. Um, I think that you can't I think what this is teaching us is that there is no real substitute for there's no there's no one-to-one yeah. substitute for the in-person connection and community. So I think I, I don't think there's a way to transition fully unless the only the only way that that changes is if you got connected with a group of people that you that don't live in your area during this time and started doing like Zoom Bible studies or whatever with them or a small group. Uh, and then you stayed connected with them. That's the only way that I see that transition happening. Yeah. But I don't think churches will actively do it.
1: Yeah. I, yeah I've, I've wondered about this because I, I think the big upside in an increasingly secular world for churches is that emphasis on person-to-person relationships. And mm-hmm. I wonder like 30 years from now, is that going to be seen as quaint You know, like, ah, man, I'm like going to my school. I'm using my VR glasses at home. Like, oh, look, that church wants people to meet. That's so cute. Or is it going to be seen as like, yes, we, we, I'm really glad that these churches are, are like encouraging Mm. that even while they provide ways to connect online, it's like they want people to be there in person. And like, that's what the world desperately needs. I don't, I don't know in 30 years how people are going to look at that, but I do think that's something churches should emphasize.
0: No, I, I can. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I think this, at this point, this needs to be a focus going forward. It doesn't have to be the sole focus, but what I'm glad about is that there's any sort of attention and spotlight on it um, in the midst of all of this, that, that, that churches are being intentional to move, uh, even if they haven't had a plan before now to move this direction. I'm glad that we're seeing movement. Right. Um, And... Uh, I'm totally fine with that. If anything, it seems like the largest times in the church's history, uh, the largest kind of moments were all reactive, not proactive. Mm. Um, And that's, I mean, think about, think about the gospel being spread in the original diaspora. Um, That was very much a outside influence that sparked uh, it being spread. It was a, the church was forced to adapt. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get cynical and say, oh, the church doesn't mean it because they have just been forced to adapt now. Um, I think that that's consistent with our
1: history all the way back to Jesus. Sure. No, I agree with that. I just, so I, I guess I feel ambivalently about it because it's like, yes, it's about blanking, blanking, blank time that many of these churches embrace a greater use of high technology. On the other hand, I'm like, I also don't want us to just kind of get a sugar rush and just forget what makes churches great to me. And that is being like that local meeting place for believers to be discipled and to grow together in person. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more with you. All right. Here's my last question for you. After we have the singularity, which is that point in time where uh, our, our computers can begin to think for themselves and they're smarter than us. After the singularity happens, do we baptize robots? I think robots baptize us. That's Whoa. the scary part. I think, it, I think it flips. Is there a difference? If it's a singularity. Yeah. And for anybody like kind of puzzling over that question, just like think of data in Star Trek. Okay. Like a fully autonomous learning, uh, dare we say, person who is an android. Yeah. You know, like what happens? Like, do you give Bible studies to that Android? And if they what
0: happens when humans are the ones failing the what is it the Turing test? Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> <laughs>
0: what happens? The Turing test is a test that they give to AI and computer programs to. It's it's kind of like this idea of if they pass the test, then it means that they fooled they can fool someone into thinking they're a real human versus a bot. That's the right. that's essentially the Turing test. Is it's a way to determine if someone is a robot or someone is a person? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so you know, I it would be like robot, like androids. Robots would be like God's grandchildren. Maybe God didn't create them, but he created the people who created them. (laughs) Do they do they still have like souls in this nefesh sense of Mm -hmm. Hebrew? You know, like can can they believe? Can they belong to a church? Anyways, not a question we have to answer right now, but. (laughs) Uh, you know, we got to think about these things. And I know it's like, okay, we're in this COVID crisis for like four months, you know, Matthew's cracking, Ryan's cracking, like they're losing it. They're looking forward. But I mean, these are questions that we have to start considering as yeah, a church. No, it's the way we're the going. The question
0: itself, we were, we were, we framed that question absurdly because it's just funny. But the the root of that is like, yeah, how do we actually really integrate technology effectively into what we're doing without becoming owned by the technology that we're adopting?
1: Yeah. I mean, look the like the dystopian side of me, the dystopian Matthew is like, there's no way to avoid it. Like, mm. the more you use it, the more you're owned by it, the more you're shaped by it, the more you're changed by it. Yep. And I think most of us have just kind of come to terms with that being the reality because, you know, you can be a luddite, and I think luddites get a bad rap, you know, but uh, unfortunately, but you know, you can just be like, I don't want to use anything, and you're going to be increasingly useless. <laughs> in society as we go on so it's like this is the cost of of doing ministry going forward for better or for worse but you know anyways can't be too much of a hater about it because i mean this is again i referenced him last week read neil postman you'll you'll get where i'm coming from on this he's not a christian by any means but he's he's, he was a great thinker uh, a few decades ago and i mean the printing press changed everything But the the pace of technological change was so much slower than it is now. So this isn't a new thing. It's just an accelerated thing. Yes. I'm glad we covered that. Yeah. No, so am
0: I. We're covering the things that matter, you know? Things that matter matter to you or to your robot children. And on that note... (laughs) (laughs) uh, Matt, thank you so much. Um, And I really enjoyed this conversation. It is going to be interesting to watch how this all continues to play out. Um, So... Thank you all so much for listening, for being on this journey with us. Go check out Matt's stuff. Go to absurdnetwork.com slash webinar and sign up for the webinar if you want to learn what I do, what Matt does, and be able to do it for yourself. Uh, And thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.